This is the final word daily, day four of the third test match between England and New Zealand at Headingley. Uh, the show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Studio, the world leaders in hair restoration. I'm Jeff Lemon in Sri Lanka for some reason, and Daniel Norcross is at the ground at Leeds. And I know, Dan, that the 30-second summary has been your nemesis over the past few weeks, but I'm going to ask you to tell me all about today in the space of 30 seconds. It was all about Mitchell and Blundell. We knew it would be that way. They batted on and on and on. They, between them, have scored over 50% of New Zealand's runs. They produced their fourth century partnership. And while they were at the crease, England looked like never taking a wicket. But the partnership was broken by Matthew Potts. The last five wickets fell in a heap. England needed 296 to win. They lost their first two wickets quickly. One to a crazy run out. One to a scooped drive by Crawley. But then Pope and Root saw England safely to the close. Just 113 runs away from victory. Uh, New Zealand missing a spinner. Very, very good. The only thing you left out was Jack Leach taking 10 wickets. I did miss out Jack Leach taking 10 wickets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, might have, might have rated a mention, I would have thought. If it, you know, but, but you're, we'll you're so good at it. Do it yourself. <laughs> um, I, I, have, I have not watched every single minute of this test series. I've watched quite a lot of it, but I've, I've dipped in and out to the point that every time I've turned on the TV, it has seemed like Daryl Mitchell and Tom Blundell are batting. They're digging New Zealand out of a hole. They're getting to a supposedly dominant position and then they're losing a test match. Um, and it looks very much like from watching today that the same thing was going to happen. First thing this morning when I switched it on, Mitchell, Blundell, New Zealand, uh, what, five wickets down at that point and everything depending on this pair. But they have just delivered with absurd consistency. Yeah, they have been utterly ridiculous together. They've got about 750 runs between them. 750 for six, New Zealand when uh, Mitchell and Blood were back, about four century partnerships. Only one partnership has ever made five. I think it was Boone and War in, uh, Mark War, that is, in 1993. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a three-test series. It's absolutely ludicrous. Uh, They've scored, as I said, over 50% of New Zealand's combined total of runs. But New Zealand's top order just hasn't fired. They kind of, they kind of did a bit yesterday when Tom Latham got into the seventies and and Kay Williamson mm. got a, got a forty odd. But that's the only time they've kind of shone in any way. Uh, but really, the the bigger problem that New Zealand have got in this game is their squad selection. I think because you know Mitchell and Blundell mm. have been getting them out of trouble, which has been fine. But then they've gone into gone into field with basically two swing bowlers opening the bowling. Once the ball stops swinging after 25, 30 overs, they're much blunted. They're not young either, so Southie's having to do an awful lot of work. Um, and Wagner, because Bracewell's a part-time spinner. Mm. You know, as you pointed out, Jack Leach took 10 wickets bowling left-arm spin. Um, the last four of them very authentically to ensure that New Zealand crumbled in a heap. And had Ajaz Patel been playing then, you know, who knows? England might have really struggled. It's a dry surface out there, you know. There's, there's a fair bit going on. And there's a, there's a bit of a regular bounce. There's a, a, there are a couple of balls from Leach that jumped up. Um, Sam Billings keeping wicket, which I hadn't clocked that, that this was the case. So when I switched it on today, I, I was very startled when I suddenly saw Sam Billings behind the stumps. But hang on, where the hell did he come from? He just appeared because Ben Folks has been coveted out of the test match. Not as startled as I was at breakfast today when I saw him in the breakfast room. And shouted, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> he smiled and said, good question. Uh, it turns out he, he was there to catch balls between his thighs, almost like he was, almost like mm. he was trying to hold in urine. 
Uh, then he had to reach for the mm. ball like he was actually wiping his ass. It was a really, it was a magnificent mm -hmm. moment in the game. That's probably for the Hall of Fame for later. But, you know, he had a pretty tidy time behind the stumps. Uh, and he's going to get to bat, isn't he? Well, there was a bit of controversy yeah. earlier, though, today, uh, Jeff, when it came up on Crick Info that somebody had been caught sub. Now, of course, he's not a sub. Oh. He gets a cap no. for this. It's his second cap, isn't it? Because he played it in Hobart mm -hmm. when he yep, was rushed Hobart. in. Was he a COVID replacement then as well? Or was that maybe... Uh, he was an injury, injury. replacement because... Uh, because Bairstow. Uh, well, because Bairstow had done his thumb and, and, and Butler was cooked by that stage. And yeah, uh, yeah they, were, they, were, they were shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. They'd had Ollie Pope keeping in Sydney um, as, as a fill-in at that, at that point because Butler had broken a finger, I think. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, look, the, the England are slightly patched upside themselves, but what was really clear today is, you know, we keep on talking about Brendan McCullum and what, what he's given to the side, but it was that there was this strange air around Headingley when they needed 296 to win. Jeremy Coney, who is very delightfully holding up the computer so that I can hear you. <laughs> We've got a bit of a Heath Robinson setup here at, at Headingley. Um, he said... Oh, 296, that's never enough. We're going to need at least 350. I think you went about 400, didn't you, Jeremy? Yeah, he did. Um, and the thing was, he was right, because the crowd had no nervousness, even at the loss of a couple of early wickets. There was just this sense that England are going to chase down whatever is set them by this kind of a bowling mm. attack, because it's a limited attack, Jeff, and it was made more limited by the insanity of the selection. You know, poor old Michael Bracewell, I think, <laughs> has bowled 17 overs for 124 runs. Like, that is not mm -hmm. what you want from your spinner on a turning track. Jack Leach, who didn't have a great time at Trent Bridge, he's taken 10 for 166 in around about 64, mm. 65 overs, something like that. So, you know, the difference in quality there and the difference in, you know, manpower, and they've put in an extra batter when they don't need an extra batter. Mitchell and Blundell are like an extra batter. It's like having an extra mm. batter already and they're batting at they could have batted at six and five and six and you could have had Bracewell at seven and fit in the spinner if they wanted and then have the three quicks but the other issue I guess just watching them in the field is, is one I, I touched on earlier Bolt magnificent in the first innings when the ball was swinging but once it stops swinging you know on a placid pitch like this with no pace in it it's very easy for England's batters to get back on top and they're so ludicrously mm. remorselessly positive I mean, we will talk later, I fancy, in the Hall of Fame about one particular shot that was played by Joe Root, which um, was described by yes. Phil Walker as one of the top five greatest cricket shots ever played. I mean, that's, that's a hell of a statement to make because he won't have seen <laughs> anything like 5% of all the cricket shots ever played. But, mm -hmm. but he had mm -hmm. a kind of point, really. Uh, it was, there's something strangely easy for England going on and I don't quite know how it's this easy because they're, they're not a they're a pretty limited side themselves this was a lot of the atmosphere that I got from the game today as well which was that at any time up until about five years ago having a side chase 296 in the fourth innings of a test match you would say that you know the bowling team should win they should win 99 out of 100 of those things have changed a lot recently it's not just England under McCullum but it's that chasing teams have been chasing bigger and bigger scores or they've been chasing 300 plus scores consistently in test cricket and that's across a range of teams due to a, a whole bunch of different factors I assume but it felt 
slender today. It felt like under 300 wasn't going to be enough the way that, that England have gone about things in this particular series. Playing the extra batter with Bracewell, there's, there's a point to playing an extra batter, but not if he comes out, slogs a six and then no. holes out trying to slog a second six. What was the point of his, his innings? It was bizarre. It was as though he's been hit for so many sixes that he wanted to take some back off the spinners. Um, and, and so he, he gives... Jack Leach a wicket. The way that Bracewell's gone, he bowled okay in his first innings. He took three for in his, his first innings of his career. But since then, the three innings he's bowled in since, he's gone at 7.7 and over, 7.5 and over, and 6.4 and over today. So he's been absolutely belted every single time. He's not a spinner. It's unfair to make him try to be a spinner. Um, and, and there's been so much scrutiny and, and attention on Jack Leach over the last couple of years. He has had a good test match. He's got a, a 10-wicket haul. And it wasn't the greatest 10-wicket haul of all time. So yeah, the last four wickets he picked up were Bracewell on the fence and then ran through the tail. But it was important that he ran through the tail. You know, he needed to make sure they didn't hang around because Tom Blundell was still there. Um, he ended up on 88, not out. And had he had some proper support from a tail, he could easily mm. have got New Zealand another 50 or so runs and that might have been enough of a difference to, to say that the chase was, was too tall. But in the end the way that they started, the way that Crawley came out and thrashed boundaries before he got out. It looked like England were extremely comfortable with this chase target. Yeah, it did. A quick word on Blundell, by the way. He's he's now scored more runs as a wicketkeeper than any visiting wicketkeeper to England, ever. I mean, that's that's more than Gilchrist, for example. No wow. no wicketkeeper has ever come to England and scored more runs in a series. He's played three test matches. It's, it's, yeah. it's preposterous. Uh, what Leach gave, though, it wasn't so much whether he could get the top order out, and he should have actually got the top order out because, uh, brief digression, both both slips, which were uh, Daryl Mitchell for New Zealand and Joe Root for England, stood in completely the wrong place to the spinner. They were about a yard wide. Uh, poor old Leach got the edges of, of top order batters' bats, and it flew past the wicket keeper into the left of, of Joe Root, who was in no position to take the catch the same happened actually when Root was batting he got, he got a little bit of uh, payback a bit of karmic payback when Mitchell was standing too wide and he presented a very simple chance around about waist height and Mitchell just wasn't there for it but what mm. Leach did do was provide control in the, over, the middle overs he was only going at around about two and a bit and over in, in this innings like just slightly over two and over uh, and New Zealand therefore didn't re- weren't really able to get enough runs on the board with the old ball, I guess. So that when England got a new ball, it had a bit more potency. New Zealand weren't far enough away to get a total that was really mm. going to trouble England. There was, was a fair bit on that. Um, I, th- th- other things that have cropped up out of today. I mean, we're talking about Mitchell and Blundell, but M- Mitchell is an astounding player. The, all the records that he's broken, the most runs, obviously by a New Zealander in a series over here. Uh, and you look at, he's got, he's got a 50 and 100 in back-to-back games. And the only people who have done that in England... Uh, all people like Bradman, Inzamam, mm-hmm. Ricky Ponting. Mm-hmm. You know, they're kind of like the greats of the game. And nestled in there yep. is Daryl Mitchell, a guy who was not even going to play in the first test match. Henry Nichols was going to play. So what, what has he got? Four or five years now? Of, I mean, he must have earned that, hasn't yep. he? Four or five years of, <laughs> of a test career just out of, out of four weeks' work. That, that's pretty good going, I'd say. Yeah, 500 plus runs, and and Blundell ended up with about what 380 or so. So yeah, between them, the best part of a thousand runs in the series. And what I particularly enjoyed was watching Leach bowl to Daryl Mitchell because they're basically 
the same player. They look pretty much identical. They're just slightly different coloured versions in terms of hair hue, but it was like a spy versus spy thing of this this one shiny-headed bearded fellow bowling to the other one um, and seeing who would come out on top. Uh, yes, I think that's that's pretty much right. And in the end, Mitchell's come out on top. We, we were speculating about whether they were sort of behaving a little bit like an old married couple and they were happiest 22 yards apart. They, they were never happier <laughs> than when they were out on the pitch because that way there was a distance between them, which was kind of helpful. Um, I don't know if you're getting this, but there's a lot of grass mowing going on. Uh, we're also not far away from oh, a shower, Jeff. So uh, you might need to oh, take us. Okay. You might Great. need to take us to the uh, the Hall of Fame before long, because I can feel the clouds are somewhat rolling in. <laughs> All right, time for the final word: Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is brought to you by Advanced Hair Studios, the world leaders in hair restoration. We've got a deal with them. You can get 15% off uh, to, to get your hair restored if you need that. You just go to Advanced Hair Studios slash final word uh, and the rest will be done for you from there. The greatest moments, the most final word moments of the day. Uh, I know you will talk about the shot that you alluded to before. I, I particularly enjoyed, though, Richard Kettleborough might be my nomination for the day. When Matthew Potts was bowling, uh, there was a big LBW appeal going up against Blundell. It was maybe sort of maybe just kind of a, a touch high uh, they checked it they reviewed it no it was just going down leg side wasn't it and it was it was fractionally missing the leg stump and it got overturned two balls later uh, another appeal against Mitchell and Kettleborough had no hesitation he wasn't gun shy the finger went up again and this time he was right this time it was hitting leg stump uh, and so I, I liked the boldness because even Matthew Potts didn't think the second one was out he sort of gave it a half eh, appeal and Kettleborough said bang straight away so the, the confidence of, of Richard oh, yeah. Kettlebrett to, to nail the second one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. yeah, it was great, wasn't it? The figure came straight up. And, you know, it was a, cr a big, big moment. The crowd went berserk because we kind of got used to Mitchell and Blondell. We kind of sort of thought, well, they're going to be batting for the rest of the day, so we'll just commentate about mm -hmm. the ball hitting the middle of their bat. And then there's a, what? What? Out? Are you for real? Um, mm. The second decision was far, far better than the first one. The first one, he gave a little bit too quickly. I mean, it wasn't... It wasn't a massively wrong decision, but it was it was going over leg stump just a little bit. Uh, my nomination, though, it, it's going to be that shot from Joe Root because, look, we're in the middle of a chase, right? And yeah. there's plenty of time to get them. And in, in, in any other era of mm -hmm. cricket, especially of English cricket, still needing about 180 mm. with two wickets down, you don't mind leaving five balls outside the off stump. What happened was that Wagner bowled ball after ball outside the off stump and Root had left them when I say ball after ball I mean literally like five of them that was all mm -hmm. and it was like oh I can't be bothered with this anymore and he gets down on one knee and plays what's sort of like a left-handed scoop over leg slip if you were the left-hander into the rugby stand over yonder for six yep I mean mm -hmm. it was it was completely completely preposterous um and, and, and terrific fun. I mean, I guess another final word moment was Zach Crawley hitting a ball straight to Kane Williamson uh, and then selling Lees down the river by coming forward. Yes, no, <laughs> yes, no, oh, I'm really sorry. And Trent Bolt took the ball as it was thrown into him from Kane Williamson with a kind of balletic, it was almost like Brazilian parkour, you know, where they're kind of mm -hmm. uh, shimmying around various objects and just whipped the ball so such with such delicacy and finesse. It was like slicing the ears of a, of a rabbit off of the Stanley knife. It was absolutely beautiful. 
I mean, not that that's particularly beautiful. Don't do that, kids. No. I don't recommend that. No. But I just mean the precision no. of it. The precision is what I'm talking about. Mm, mm. Yeah, well, Brazilian parkour is when you have a, a thorough wax before you go out and jump over any objects hey. throughout the city. But yeah, it, it, it was it was a, an extraordinary moment of poise to just be able to take that ball without breaking stride and then then clip the bales off with his the back of his hand as he was running by to make sure that he nailed that. I also enjoyed the fact that Zach Crawley made 25 runs and hit six boundaries, so 24 out of 25 straight to the fence um, before he just cluffed the spinner down to mid-off and got himself caught. But yeah, the, the route shot, it wasn't quite a reverse sweep and it wasn't quite a reverse ramp, but it was a combination of the two because the bat swooped up. It went from low to high. It, yeah. was, it was as though it was an uppercut over slips, but a reverse sweep uppercut, if that makes any sense whatsoever. How about the route sweep? Or the, can we, can we, yeah. it, I've never seen that shot played quite like that before. And if you know, if Nat Siver can have the Nat Meg... Maybe we've got the mm. swoot, swoot. I don't know. It's the, something uh, of that sort. The backward square root. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 it, was, it was something else. It was something a little bit new. It was like when we saw Doni pull out the helicopter for the first time that you thought, this, is, this isn't quite, this is sort of a combination of some other shots, but it's, it's not a shot that we've seen before. Anyway. Uh, I think you're about to get rained on or run over by a mower, so we should call an end to the Hall of Fame and we should call an end to the final word daily. Uh, we'll have to do one more of these for the third test match because there will be a day five. England need 113 to win. The way this series has gone, it could it could go disastrously differently tomorrow. Michael Bracewell could come out and take five, who knows, or England could cruise to a 3-0 victory uh, in a series in which New Zealand could comfortably have won all three test matches had things gone differently for them. It's been a, a hell of a lot of fun. Jeff Lemon, Daniel Norcross for the final word. We'll see you tomorrow. Cheers. Bye. I had to go about it.